Uh, this morning we're going into Matthew chapter 22. <clears throat> you can get your Bibles ready. Chapter 22 starting in verse 34. I want to share with you something first before we go there. People who are colorblind, the most common um, colorblindness is those people who can't see the difference between green and red. It's where green and red are quite muddled and there isn't a distinction there. I had this thought this week as I was preparing my message of how difficult that would be for them to drive. And so I looked it up and, and what, you, what you found is that um, historically it actually has been difficult. They really base their ability to know uh, straight traffic lights by the position of the lights and not necessarily by the color of the lights. So they are looking at where is the green and where is the red in the position of a street light rather than the actual color. The issue would come in is if someone decided to put a street light in a different position. They all of a sudden then wouldn't be able to detect what's going on very well. See, they can function in the world that we live in. They found ways to function, but the reality is there's still some handicap that comes along with it. I think often we can correlate that to our faith, is that we have found a way to function in our faith, but often we're not seeing the whole picture. We're not seeing every color as vibrant as God intended. We are not seeing the pigments and the depth that God wants from us to see. The top question I've always gotten from uh, people that are either new to their faith or even old in their faith that right across the board, Christians are wanting to know is what is God's plan for me? What does he want from me? What is God saying? I think sometimes we make it more difficult than he intended. I think sometimes we wrestle with this question over things that maybe God didn't intend us to wrestle with it. He's saying, you have a choice here. I think there's some basics that we need to get down before we start looking for whether or not God wants us to turn left or right. See, because if we don't start with the basics, God's not going to uh, add on to that. I love math, and you can't do multivariable calculus without knowing how to add and subtract. See, you can't, you can't understand... You can't understand these, these higher principles, these more in-depth equations, unless you understand the basics first. And I think sometimes we're looking for God to give us direction, to give us plan, without really understanding the basics of what is he asking of us. So this morning, we're going to unpack what is God's plan for your life? What is he asking of you? What has he told you is the most important thing? In that, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 34, I'm reading from the NIV version. 34, it says this, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got, uh, got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, most of us know the passage. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. My first question for you is, is, does all of your life hang on these first two commandments? And I think so many of us, we've heard this passage so many times. We've heard the commandment so many times that I think the true meaning of it has gotten lost. This morning we're going to unpack what does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. <clears throat> Excuse me. There are three parts to God. There's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Those three parts, if you learn in natural church development, which is a tool that we use here at the church to determine whether or not we are a healthy body, in there it talks about this thing called the Trinitarian compass. It basically gives you an idea of where do you slant? Are you seeing the whole picture? The idea is, just like someone who is colorblind, is that often we have colors we are missing. We have portions we are missing. We're only seeing part of a picture. The Trinitarian compass talks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it says we need to have all three of these in balance. We need to know which one we lean towards. Because the idea is, is that we can be centered, that we can radically have all three in our lives. And this is what this scripture is talking about. This is what this commandment is talking about. It's talking about all three pieces being in balance, all being present in your world. What are these three really mean? First of all, let's start with the heart because that is what the scripture starts with is love the Lord your God with all of your heart. The word for heart there is cardia. It's the inner self. It's the heart. See, I would relate heart to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is really what we see as the action. He is the expression, the example that we have of day-to-day -day living. He is the boots on the ground, the hands that are offering, the feet that are doing. Why would we correlate the heart with that? Because from your heart is where your movement comes. When you're passionate about something, it causes you to have action for that. When there is a passion in your heart, all of a sudden, what you do with your time, your money, your treasures, your talents, all of these things will be pushed towards your passion. It just naturally happens. The heart is what drives your action. The problem comes in is when we are so focused on the doing of who God is. The doing with what are we doing with our lives, you know, the action piece. That Are we feeding the hungry? Are we taking care of the sick? Are we uh, fill in the blank? Are we busy doing for God? The problem comes in is that sometimes we don't have the other two in balance and we're not doing it with the wisdom of God. Often people who are so focused on the heart piece of loving the Lord your God with all your heart and they're so busy doing, they uh, will get burnt out. And my question usually is to sit down and let's evaluate what you're doing and is there any places where you are doing but you are depositing in a bank that is bankrupt? 
See, just because there's a need doesn't mean that God's asking you to fill that need. That is where the other parts, where the wisdom of God comes in. Sometimes we're so busy because our heart has such a passion for wanting to love the Lord with all of our heart that we're so busy doing that there isn't a lot of wisdom in the doing. We need to remember when you're a heart person, when you're someone who's so uh, driven by, by being the hands and feet of Jesus, it is an amazing heart posture to have, but you have to remember that if you have nothing left in your tank, you become useless. That we can't continue to give out of something that is empty. And that's where the other parts come into play. The second piece is love the Lord your God with all of your soul. The word soul there is this Greek word called uh, pousche. It's the breath or the soul of a person. It's this intangible piece of who we are. If you're looking at the Trinitarian compass, you would attach that to the Holy Spirit. What do we think about the Holy Spirit or the soul? It's, it's our emotions. It's our connection piece. It's the piece where we experience things. We all know people or may be those people that that you know that they just feel deeply, they connect deeply, and they love the experience of God. They're the ones that want to sit in a worship service for hours on end. They're the ones that when you watch them in this musical worship, they are abandoned, their heart, our hands are lifted high, or they're on their knees, or they're dancing. There is this expression that comes out of them. Because they are loving the Lord with all of their soul, with all of their spirit, with all of their, their intangible uh, emotion, these, these pieces that are hard to put into a box. They are just so connected with God in that way. The problem comes in, and I've said it before, is that our experiences and our emotions are good and God has given them to us, but we need to understand that they can be manipulated that majority of religions out there, majority of spirituality out there will give you an experience in the moment. They will give you feelings in the moment. The problem is, is it's not lasting. The problem is, is it's not eternal. To love the Lord your God with all of your soul needs to be paired with the wisdom of God as well. Of God is this from you. But then there's those of you that are listening to this and you're, you're saying, well, that's how they connect with God and I connect with God differently. Well, I would like to challenge you on that because what God says is you need to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of what you do, but also with all of who you are. I read this really great book and I'm hoping that we will do some kind of sermon series on it. <clears throat> the worship team, some of them have received it. I encourage you to pick it up, cheap, small, easy read. It's called Holy Roar. It just talks about the seven words through the Old Testament that are translated as praise and what they mean. What you learn from that is to love the Lord your God with all of your soul, all of this peace that is the experience, that is the connection, means so much more than we might think it means.
It talks about this piece of praise that is this abandonment of your arms lifted high or being face down on the ground or the piece of foolishness, actually being willing to look like a fool before the Lord. But there's this beauty to it that goes beyond our logic and our reasoning. And I encourage you this morning that if that's not something you've experienced, that actually what God is saying, you need to. He's asking you to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. All of the experience piece, all of the emotional connection piece. You need to have that. But... When your faith is built on that is when the issue comes in. Because just like you can get burnt out from being the one who's always doing, you can also become disenfranchised if your faith is built on the experience and the emotion. We talked about last week Elijah and how he he laid by a brook for years. His life seemed dry. It seemed like nothing was happening. And his faith in who God was and what God was saying needed to be substantiated by something greater than just his experience or what he was feeling in the moment. Philippians 4, 11 and 12 says this. Four, eleven, and 12 it says I am not saying this because I am in need for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want I was telling the uh, worship team this morning that as I prayed over this year uh, I don't think I've said it yet in the last couple of weeks praying over this year just for myself and for the church. And um, just like last year when we prayed for the year, God gave us this word at the beginning of an attitude of gratitude, and we learned really, really quickly that um, that attitude of gratitude was going to become difficult in a year of 2020. But making a choice every day to have an attitude of gratitude, this year God gave me this passage for this year of this idea of being content in everything, no matter what the circumstance. doesn't mean that you don't press on for more, but this idea that, that there's a stability in who God is, no matter what's coming along. And as for us, and in our home, 2021 has started off with a bang, and you learn, okay, God, yeah, it's probably going to be another roller coaster this year, but we'll choose We'll choose to have this contentment no matter what our circumstance, no matter what my emotions might feel that day, no matter what our experiences, that there's a stability in knowing who you are. Loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, but not doing it without the other ones. The third piece. So we love the Lord your God with all of your heart. We love him with all of our soul and we love him with all of our mind. The word there is Dionia means the mind or the thought. It is the knowledge of God. It is attached to God the Father. It is that peace of God that says, I will know your word. I will study it. I will understand it. It's the part that we struggle with often in charismatic churches. 
Why? Because it takes discipline. See, the doing often makes us feel good, the heart of God. Why? Because when we ask God for his heart and we get his passion and we're doing this idea that you feel like you've accomplished something. See, the soul, the spirit of God makes us feel good. We have experiences, we have mountaintops where we can hold on to. But understanding the word of God and the mind of God is the discipline. It's this into your life. You need to sit down and you need to study it. See, my girls both play instruments. They both play piano. They're both trying to learn guitar. The part that they don't like is the practicing. They want to know how, but they don't want to do what it takes to get to the how. It's very similar in our lives. We want to know what God has to say, and we look at people like many of you um, know our good friend Tim Hart, and, and we look at guys like that, and you're going, okay, like, he just knows everything. Like, he can just quote scripture off the top of his head. You ask him about any topic, I challenge you to do it, and he'll probably give you an hour and a half lecture on what the Bible says about it. See, we look at someone like that and we think, how? Like, they're just amazing and you're in awe of them. I'll tell you how, because he spends hours researching and reading the word and listening to people who teach the Bible in this really depth, deep, deep way. You want to know what God says on topics. You have to get into his word. And here is the challenge. You have to believe it. You have to ingest it. You have to wrestle with the parts that you're like, I don't like that. I'm just going to skip over it. No, you wrestle with the parts. There are many passages in scripture that uh, I've had to wrestle with. One of the main topics, it's a pretty easy one to understand why, would be is what the Bible says about women women in leadership, women in the church. It was much easier for, for me to skip over those parts than it was to sit and wrestle with them and learn and read and read opinions from both sides of the equation and where did people land and why. At the end of the day, it has brought a richness to my faith. It has brought a boldness and a richness to the calling that I know God's put on my life. But I had to sit and do that. We need to find those passages that irk us, that we don't really understand. And we need to get in there. Because loving the Lord your God with all of your mind means getting into your word and understanding it. And if you don't do that piece, you're missing a part of who God is. You are not seeing all the colors. You are driving around with a handicap. And you might seem like you're doing fine until some curveball gets thrown in and the traffic light doesn't look like what it should. All of a sudden, your life might end up in an accident. Why? Because it's not grounded in the word. that we need to understand is that sometimes when we have these things out of balance God may seem like he's absent in one of them what do I mean by that I mean 
that we might feel like we're doing and doing and doing and doing and we're like, God, I thought I was doing things for you, but I'm feeling so burnt out. And God's saying, that's because I'm not showing you the fruit of what you're doing because you're missing spending time with me. You're missing the experience that I have for you. You're missing getting into your word. Or we might, in history, been able to connect with God in experience, in worship, in all of these places that have to do with our emotions. And all of a sudden you're like, God, I just feel so dry. I feel like you're so distant. I don't know where you are. And God giving you the experience because you're too grounded in the experience that you're forgetting the other pieces. You're forgetting what are you doing. You're forgetting about what have I said about who you are. What is the word said The other piece is the word. People who are so consumed with the word, the concern can be is that you can be consumed with being smarter than everyone else in the room. Sometimes you're so focused that you've allowed pride to come in and you're reading scripture in order to defend what you want instead of reading scripture to love the Lord. The interesting thing about scripture and when you read scripture is that, do you need to fix something? Yeah, I can. Sorry. There you go. And just don't walk too far. Is that what you're saying? Okay, good. Excellent. Um, I'm assuming I was cutting out then. That means I'm, I'm sorry. There's a little antenna on my mic. And I was obviously covering it. Hopefully you got what God wants you to get. Um, reading scripture. That's where we are. Here is the concern with, with head people. And the reason why I want to spend a bit of time on this piece is because it's something I've run into actually in the last six months quite a bit is that sometimes there are people who are head people. They are in the word. They want to know what the word says, but they're doing it with a lens of pride. They're doing it with a lens that says, I want to be the smartest person in the room. They're doing it with a lens that says, I want to defend what I want. I don't actually want to know what God, wants, what God is saying. I want to find a way to defend what I feel like I should be able to do. I want to defend what I think is right. That's not what it means to love the Lord your God with all your mind. It is to get into scripture because you want to love the Lord. Because you want to understand him better. Here's the interesting thing. As as you learn more and more about the word, you will feel dumber and dumber. (laughs) Why? Why? Because you will realize how much you don't know. It's really easy to have a faith that's based on a few key scriptures. But the more that you you dig into the word, the more that you learn that there's so much to know. The more that you actually realize that there's a lot of gray. There's a lot of areas that, that aren't put into nice little neat columns the more that you realize that there is this thing called the mystery of who God is. The mystery of God. See, we struggle with mystery. We want answers, but we often struggle with the things we can't find answers for. 
Why is it so difficult for us? It's because we are a people that are prideful. It apparently has been a part of humanity since way back. You know, the Tower of Babel really was just that. They were building a tower to try and become God. They thought that, you know what, we can do it on our own. God said, let me put a little mystery into your world. Let me separate you. Give you all different languages. Let's mix it up a little. Let's remind you that there is a lot of mystery in who I am. See, the mystery does a few things. The mystery brings us back to wrestle more, to come back and read more, to come back to God more. The mystery also is something we need to realize that it's just because the nature of who we are and who God is. Like I said before, you know, I love, I love math, but the reality is, like, if I tried to teach calculus to someone in grade one, they would never comprehend it. Their ability to comprehend it just isn't there. There is this piece where we need to understand the mystery of God, that there are things we will never understand because God is so beyond where we are. And in his graciousness, he gives us this thing called wisdom when we pair the head with the heart and the soul is where wisdom comes in. Where God said, I'm going to supernaturally let you understand something that you don't understand. But we do wrestle with this. A pastor, Eric Johnson, he's a pastor at Bethel, he said this, we love the revelation of God, but struggle with the God of mystery. Our addiction to certainty is what keeps us trapped to our past. I'm going to say it again. We love the revelation of God. What is the revelation of God? It's that time when you're reading something or you're with God and God shows you something so clearly and you're like, wow, my eyes have been open. We love that. But we struggle with the God of mystery, the pieces that we don't have concrete answers for. The times when it seems like God may have been silent. Why? Because our addiction to certainty, it's what keeps us trapped in our past. It means what our addiction to having to know all the answers before we take a step of faith is what keeps us from taking the step of faith. Often God doesn't give you the whole picture because he wants us to be reliant on him. He wants to know how big our faith is. I listen to a gentleman named Bob Goff often. He has a podcast called Dream Big. He's written a few books. His, one of them is called Dream Big. I'm, I'm reading it right now. There's this beauty in it where he talks about dream big, do big things. But anyone who does has probably failed a bazillion times before. God has more for you. What he's saying is, is he's saying... You need to let go of the certainty sometimes. When you are a head person, you need to let go of the certainty and you need to rely on the other parts. You just need to start doing. You need to be connected. Otherwise, you will forever be doing what your past has been. You want to move forward, you need to let go of certainty. God sometimes is a God that shakes things up. We have a saying with our leadership team and, and uh, set it to our board and trying to really integrate it into our culture here as a church. And that is everyone needs a safe place to fail. We need to look at failure differently. 
doesn't mean there's not consequence for failure, but the goal is always reconciliation. The goal is always to learn and move forward. We all need a safe place to fail. We all need a safe place to take chances. And when you are a head person, you will struggle with this. You'll struggle with the unknown. You'll struggle with the faith piece to your faith. The mystery of God is that peace that doesn't fit into our box. So what does it mean to fully be in love with the Lord, with your soul, with your heart, and with your mind? What does that mean? What it starts with is knowing that you probably have your own bias already and you need to figure out what it is. Church denominations are often birthed out of biases. Sometimes from a very uh, godly, convicting place. But often, church denominations will, will lean towards one of these. You can probably think of the ones that would lean towards the doing, the hands. We need to take care of the needy. We need to do something with our faith. You'll probably think of those that are really leaning towards the experience, the spirituality piece, the connection piece with God. And there are those that are really consumed with the knowledge, the teaching of what the word is. You need to know where your bias is. And then you need to push yourself outside of where you're comfortable. You need to figure out a way that says, I am going to engage with God in these other areas. I'm going to push myself to do it. Why? Because I want to see the full color of who God is. I want to see the world with all the vibrancy that God intended instead of instead of being colorblind in a certain area. See, because the balance of all three of these is where we have wisdom. It's where the action and the connection and the knowledge all marry each other. The wisdom is, of God is when you pair what God is saying with what God is saying to do with what he's saying and what God is saying about it. You're pairing, this is what God said in his word with, God, what is, what is the emotion? What is the attachment? What, what is the meaning behind what you are saying? It's that ability to, to live in all three. The interesting thing you'll learn when you read through Jesus is that Jesus often never answered the Pharisees with direct quotes. This is the one time, one of the few times he did, he often asked them questions back. He challenged their heart posture. He challenged where they were coming from. So we know that if he answered here, he was clearly telling them something. He was saying, you need to love me with all parts of who you are. That is where the wisdom of God comes in. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. You can know a lot about God. You can have experienced God. And you could be doing for God, but if you haven't got all three present in your life, you do not have the wisdom of God. The wisdom is having all three. There is a mystery to who God is, and he keeps it present for us. Why? Because it's what keeps us pursuing him. 
It's what keeps us humble. It's what keeps us on our knees. My challenge for you this morning is that if you are someone who is constantly doing and you're missing those other parts, find a really good devotional Bible. Find a really good devotion that goes into the Word. Find someone that, that does a really good podcast that teaches on the Word. Find a way to learn about who God is. If you are someone that's really afraid of the experience of God, that worship services where someone might be dancing or there might be hands lifted high or someone might be on their knees before the Lord. If you are someone that's uncomfortable with the expression of people connecting with God, I would encourage you to pick up that book, Holy Roar. I would encourage you to really read the Old Testament, read through Psalms and see what David and these other writers are saying about this connection with God. Push yourself outside your comfort zone and see what happens. And if you're someone that you feel like your faith seems to ebb and flow, that you get discouraged really easy or that you get bombarded with what culture might think and you wrestle with maybe that shakes, wrestle with God and maybe that shakes your faith a bit, I would encourage you to get into your word. Find out what God is saying. Find out what he has said. Find out the truth that is the truth and get it in your heart. And last, if you are someone who reads your Bible a whole lot and spends a lot of time with Jesus, but there's no expression of doing in your life, you need to do something with it because otherwise you are spiritually fat. You're not spiritually healthy. You're spiritually fat. You need to do something. What is the doing that God is asking you to do because God intends us to see the whole picture and be present in the whole picture. God doesn't want us to live a life that is colorblind, not seeing the vibrancy that he is. Uh, I'm going to call the worship team back up. We're going to close in a song together and I'm going to pray over you, church. I don't know what this looks like in your life. But I challenge you before you click end on this service, before you leave and go on with your day, ask God this question, which one am I needing to spend more time on? And God, give me a tool to do that. Before you end, write it down, put it a reminder, make a note that says, here is where I will work harder. Here is where God is asking me to, to do something with it. Here is where I might not be fully loving God. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your church. I thank you that you have an intention for us to live a full life, one that is connected, one that loves you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. And that the second commandment of loving our neighbor comes out of loving you with all of our heart with all of our soul with all of our mind god i pray this morning that we would not just listen to the word but we would be doers of the word that we would hear this word this morning and that we would do something with it before we go on with our day would your holy spirit convict your church would your holy spirit encourage your church of where they're doing well where you are saying good well done, good and faithful servant. I believe that there are many that God is speaking that over. Well done, 
good and faithful servant. But it doesn't mean that God is not going to teach us more and do more. God, help us to see that. Help us to see what you are teaching us and help us to have an excitement about what that is. We thank you for all that you are in your name. Amen.